All right. Uh, I'm going to preach tonight from um, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 to 8. If we can bring that up, that would be awesome. Um, and I will find it here in my notes. Um, actually, before I do that, uh, let me uh, say what I said uh, this morning. And um, that is that uh, yesterday, obviously, there was a uh, pretty significant uh, event that took place that many people were, you've got to remain silent, many people were uh, watching on TV and listening to on the radio. And I've got to say, I was, uh, I was hoping for victory and felt very disappointed uh, by the defeat that I witnessed. Uh, the Crows losing by a point. Um, <laughs> just uh, really did uh, get me down. Um, but uh, apparently there was something else on, um, an election. Who voted for the first time, by the way? Yeah, a number of people. Uh, got your pencil, put your pencil to work. Um, and um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I thought, it's always, I said this this morning, it's always dangerous to make anything, say anything about politics from the pulpit, because whatever you say, some people are going to dislike it. Um, but uh, without... I think being party political, I, I do want to say one thing, which is that I am uh, thankful that we have uh, a Prime Minister who is a committed follower of Jesus, and I reckon that's awesome. And uh, he won't be necessarily a perfect person or a perfect Christian, and he doesn't represent all Christians, all of that stuff, and I know Christians vote on both sides of the ledger, to totally true, but I think that's... Uh, something pretty exciting, that someone who's actually willing to raise his hands in worship and actually uh, be a believer. And I've got to say, I went into this election pretty concerned about the whole issue around freedom of religion, and um, I feel, from that point of view, um, pleased with the outcome. Um, so that's all I'm going to say. Um, uh, but I will also say this, because I just said that's all I was going to say. I'm going to say one more thing um, about politics. Whether Liberals won, whether Labor won, whether it was Shorten Prime Minister or uh, Scott Morrison, in the end, political parties aren't going to be what Australia needs. They're not the solution. Uh, we really believe that it's actually when people come under the lordship of Jesus, when they hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And so actually what we've got here in this book and what we get to sing about and, and what we just sung about, that is actually the hope for Australia. Uh, not any political party. And so it's a pleasure to be able to preach um, tonight. Uh, I'm going to read this passage. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to start with, a, with, a, with, an, with an illustration. Two years ago, I think it was, uh, Australian cricket captain Steve Smith, one of the world's, uh, ranked the world's best batsman at the time, a guy who's the captain of the Australian cricket team, a, a position uh, often described as the second most important job in Australia after the Prime Minister. Uh, confident, relaxed, successful, popular, a hero to tens of thousands of kids. And he's in the change rooms in a test match and they're losing the test match and the ball is doing nothing. It's not moving. And it's very hard for the bowlers in cricket if the ball isn't, isn't moving. And he's in, the, he's in the lunch break and they're having their lunch and he overhears another one of his players... Let's just call him Dave Warner. <laughs> and he's talking to uh, 
a guy playing, I think it's his first test match, a young player who's just come into the team. And he's, he's saying, mate, this is, we're going to lose, uh, but I've got some sandpaper. If you just rub it on the ball when we hand it to you, uh, that'll make the ball start to swing and we can get back into this game. And Steve Smith walks past him and he says something to the effect of, guys, I don't, know, I don't want to know what you're talking about. And then he walks off. Right? That's what he said. I, I don't want to know. I don't want to know about it. And uh, so the guy went on the field and he's rubbing the ball with the sandpaper and the cameras picked it up and it is an uh, absolute um, huge media incident. Um, uh, Steve Smith loses his captaincy, probably never captain the team again. They're out of cricket for, I think, two years, uh, maybe 12 months, but they're completely out of cricket. And, um, but the, you know, the, the impact of that on them as well was just massive. And I don't know if, if you've ever seen, you should YouTube this, Steve Smith interview after, uh, when he lands back in Australia after they got back from South Africa. From a confident, relaxed guy to a guy who is just absolutely destroyed. This morning, tonight I'm going to talk about a message called From Hero to Zero, about the times in our lives when we can go from hero, like when, when everything's going great and we're kicking goals, and like last week, because uh, of the passage about how to survive the best day of your life, uh, to zero. I'll tell you another person, another cricket captain that I saw speak, uh, was, a, was a South African cricket captain many years ago at a Franklin Graham concert. His name was Hansi Cronje. And for those of you who are not cricketers, these are just, you're just totally missing this. But um, he stood up at a, at a Franklin Graham concert uh, maybe 15, 20 years ago down at Football Park, uh, the old Amy Stadium. And uh, the, 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 the cricket team was in town. And he stood up and talked about how his faith was a, made, made such a big difference in his life. And then a couple of years later, it turned out that he had been taking money to accept bribes to change the decision in cricket. He was completely disgraced, lost his career, lost his reputation, lost just about everything, and then he ended up losing his life in a plane crash. Uh, So I'll talk tonight about how we go from hero to zero. You know, in, in faith, I don't know whether you've experienced this, I think probably all of us have. It's actually pretty quick. It can be pretty quick from going from a place where we feel like things are going great in our faith. We're growing in our faith, we're, we're walking with the Lord, we're strong in our faith, we're excited, we're passionate, things are just going good. And we can go pretty quickly to a place where we think, where is God? What is going on? Where we go from, you know, from faith to a place of, of fear. We, we, we go from just this deep trust to a place of of doubt, and uh, where we go from where we just feel like there's, there's a real plan, where we go, um, I don't know what God's plan is. We can kind of, like, faith is rarely linear. It's rarely just like this steady progression down this straight highway of, of, of just gently climbing in faith. Do people know what I'm talking about? Okay. Tim does. Everyone else doesn't. Everyone else has got, this has got perfect faith. It's all good. Does people know what I'm talking about? Yeah, totally. Okay. So uh, Galatians uh, 5, 7 says this. It says, you are running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? So there's these times when it's like, you know, we're running a race and we're in the stadium, we're on the last lap and then suddenly 
Uh, you see this occasionally in like a 1500 meter. Someone just cuts across and bang, we're tripped up. And uh, so this, tonight, today we carry on with the story of Elijah and this is what happens to Elijah. Let's read this passage from chapter 19, verse 1 to 8. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Right, them's fighting's words. She's like, 24 hours. You know, may the gods deal with me ever so severely, if within 24 hours I do not ensure that you are dead. And uh, Elijah says, hey, I've just defeated the prophets of Baal. I've just seen God move in miraculous ways. I've got nothing to fear. You can't, you can't scare me. No, this is, what Elijah, this is what happens. Verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. And drank. Strengthened by that food, he travelled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the uh, mountain of God. Then he went into a cave and spent the night. Now, for anyone who missed last uh, week's message, the story that precedes this is crucial to understanding this story. The story that precedes this is when Elijah takes on the prophets of Baal on top of Mount Carmel. And there's like 400 prophets gathered there. And there's this huge battle, uh, which Craig preached on, where they, they both like do this test to see whose God is the stronger. And they, they get a ball and they put it on top of wood and... Elijah's so confident in God. He's just like, pour water on the, on the wood and pour water on everything and pour more water on it. And then he's just like, I've just got complete confidence that God is going to do a miracle here and he's going to bring down fire and he is just going to uh, set this uh, bull on fire and, and it's going to be a sacrifice. And it happens. And then he's just like, grab the prophets of Baal and the people grab them and they uh, kill all of them. And then uh, it hasn't rained for um, uh, three years, and then he says to his servant, now go to the, go to the edge of the, of the mountain, because it's right on, on top of the mountain, and he looks and he sees a cloud anyway, there's a whole story there, and basically it's, Elijah says, it's going to rain, and then uh, he heads to uh, the palace, um, and Ahab the king comes after and Ahab's riding his horse, but Elijah's given like a super uh, miraculous power of speed and arrives before him at the castle. And that's why we read in verse 1, and when, um, uh, 
And now Ahab told, where, do, 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 rewind. Um, anyway, when he gets there, Elijah is already there. And so it's this incredible story. It is the best day of Elijah's life. And then this story is what follows it. He goes from absolute confidence to absolute fear, and he runs for his life. So we're going to study this. Uh, I want to pray because I think this is so important. Because the truth is, I have seen many young Christians uh, really struggle when they go from hero to zero, when they hit a low point. I've seen many, it's like, uh, and, and often it's just because stuff happens in life. And there's actually been a false assumption that, that they're living with, which says, if I am a Christian, my life's going to go pretty well. And I'm going to be protected from trouble and hardship and, and issues. And then as a Christian, they go through an experience of really bad experiences. Something really, really difficult to deal with happens. They go, well, where's God in that? Or they have a failure of their own you know, sinful behavior, right? And the, or they just battle with an ongoing struggle with sin. And they're like, oh, this is just too difficult. And it is so tempting to walk away because either they think, uh, you know, faith is about life going really well and God's meant to be blessing me or because they think I'm not good enough. It's not just young people. I rocked up to a party yesterday, uh, a friend's 40th, and I saw a guy... Uh, who um, uh, used to go to, I used to, my previous church, he used to go to that church, and I literally walked into this party, and he walks up to me, this, this is exactly how it went, he goes, G'day Mark, how are you going? I need to tell you, I'm not going to church anymore. Like, oh, hi. He goes, yeah, I uh, had a whole thing happen, and something really bad went down, and I, uh, another person who I thought was a Christian in my business, uh, stole a whole lot of money and laundered it through my business, and I lost everything, and he said, and I can't forgive him and so because I can't forgive him I feel like it would be uh, I would be a hypocrite to go to church and worship God so I'm not going to church and that was like I've just literally walked into the party 30 seconds and I was like yeah I love being a pastor um, it's good to have these great conversations on a Saturday afternoon hero to zero it's a real deal so let's pray and we're going to look at what uh, God has to say to us through this passage Heavenly Father I want to pray that tonight you would speak truth and you would speak wisdom to every one of us here because I really believe we need to learn from this story of Elijah because just as it's awesome to celebrate the victory of Elijah on top of Mount Carmel, we've got to also understand how you want to speak to us through your word about the truth that we will face struggles and we will face doubts and we will face fear and actually we need to know not just how we respond to that but how you respond to that and where you are when we struggle. And so, Lord, I pray you'll speak to us through your word, by your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Well, I just had a great day, and, uh, and we love a hero. We love a hero. We love, we love the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. By the way, just as an aside, it doesn't really help the sermon, but I was on top of Mount Carmel last year in Israel. And uh, there's a statue there of Elijah, and um, Elijah's got this sword like this, and there's a prophet of Baal uh, on the ground who has just been uh, taken out. Um, and it's quite amazing because it is right on top of this hill, and from 
from the top of uh, Mount Carmel there, you just look down this huge uh, bottom of this steep, steep hill and then out over the uh, plains and you can see the Mediterranean Sea. And so that whole story about sending a servant to go to the edge of the, lookout, the, edge of the hill and to look out over the Mediterranean and seeing that cloud come up, uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's an incredible thing. But really, I'm just telling travel stories to make you jealous, so now I'll move on. Um, we love a hero. And we love, the, we love the Elijah story. story. Uh, if you don't believe me that we love heroes, I have three letters to say to you. They are MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, that proves to me that we love heroes. I love heroes as much as the, the next person. Uh, just last week, I uh, sat down with my boys, watched uh, Thor, and, uh, you know, for two hours, I just get to sit there and imagine that, like, I'm like Thor, and I've got, you know, huge, you know pecs and uh, long blonde hair and a giant hammer. Um, we love heroes. Maybe you're more of the geeky variety. You just like to be Tony Stark, Iron Man. You think about all the gadgets you like to be making so that you can fly around in some sort of suit. We love heroes and we love Christian heroes. And we love heroes in the Bible and hero stories. The other thing we also love is, uh, this is a warning, is we love Christian ministry heroes. We can idolise certain Christians in leadership. We can look up to them in a healthy way, but we can look up to them in an unhealthy way. Uh, my story, um, I was called into ministry by uh, the senior pastor of my church. I was attending a church. Uh, he identified me, uh, uh, saw I was wanting to go into Bible college, gave me an amazing opportunity to be a pastor, uh, and I looked up to him hugely. And... Um, uh, really, he was a father figure to me, and my first senior pastor. I'm sitting under his leadership. And, uh, and then one day, uh, literally like that, um, it, it came out that a whole lot of stuff had happened. He was stood down from ministry. And uh, I'd, I was working alongside of him for four years. And in one moment, uh, it all came down. And I haven't spoken to him since because uh, I haven't had the opportunity to. And uh, so, uh, really, it's good to look up to mentor figures, but actually our faith needs to be in Jesus. Our faith needs to be in Jesus, not in people. People are going to let you down, and you'll let, you'll let, you'll let people down, uh, but God doesn't let us down. If, it, if our Christianity is built on Christian leaders um, being perfect, and we, we'd be walking away a long time. Another one of my great uh, heroes, I'm just riffing here, I'm just making it up as I go, but um, um, it's not in my script is what I'm saying, it's, it's true. Um, you know, Bill Hybels was just a massive hero for me for many years. I don't know if, who knows Bill Hybels, knows the name Bill Hybels, okay, half of you don't. He's led Willow Creek Church uh, for 30 years, massive impact, biggest church in America. Willow Creek Association impacted thousands and thousands of churches around the world. And I just loved him for, in the midst of that, his incredible leadership gifting, but also his incredible integrity and humility. And then it's come out in the last 12 months that uh, in, in areas of his life, he was not a man of integrity at all. He stood down in ministry. It was a great sadness to me. But I love heroes. We all love heroes. We've got to be careful uh, not to love heroes too much. Uh, Elijah is the ultimate hero here. He's the ultimate hero. But then he gets the message from Jezebel, I'm coming for you. Uh, 24 hours, uh, if you don't, um, you know, well, any, it doesn't matter what he does. She says, 24 hours, you're going to be dead. And you would have thought that he would be fearless. God's just done the most incredible miracle. Surely God can 
protect him. In fact, God's protected him, fed him by ravens flying to deliver him food. Um, uh, God's provided uh, oil and um, a flower that just kept regenerating as a miraculous ongoing miracle that sustained him and a, and a widow and, and her son that he was staying with. And, um, and then he stood in front of all these prophets who were all out really wanting to kill him. And if the battle wasn't won by him on the mountaintop, he would have been killed in that situation. In all of these situations, he's fearless. He's faith-filled. And, and then uh, Jezebel says, well, I'm going to take you out in the next 24 hours. And he's just like, ah, run. It, it doesn't really make any sense. Uh, but this is what happens. Goes from hero to zero, confident to hopeless, triumphant to defeated, faith-filled to fear-filled, and he runs away. He runs from Jezreel, it says, to Beersheba. That's a decent run. He doesn't actually literally run all the way there. It's a, it's a 170 kilometers he heads to get out of there. So he just, um, he hightails it. He goes 170 kilometers south, um, and he goes right down through the desert, into the desert region, into the wilderness. And it's a pretty bleak desert area that he goes into. Let me tell you. And he sits down and he, he prays an incredibly sad prayer. He, his prayer is this. He says, uh, he prays that he might die. He says, I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Um, why does he get scared now? Why does fear fill his heart? Why, how can he go from such confidence to absolute despair? Well, I'm going to talk about three things that I think can that are typically lead people from hero to, to zero. One is, I'll probably talk about this, when expectations are not met. When expectations are not met. We, um, we, we have a lot of expectations in our life. We live with uh, assumptions or expectations about how things are going to play out. And, um, and you know what? Sometimes they don't get met. Sometimes things don't happen as we plan. In fact, rarely, rarely do things happen exactly as we plan. We can have life, a lot of people have life expectations. You know, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Um, here's my goals, here's what I expect to happen at a certain time, at a certain age. Um, things don't often always happen in that way. In fact, generally they don't. Um, you make your list, um, it's, it's not always going to be a straight line. Um, and we can get to that point where it's just like, my expectations have not been met. I'm disappointed. Um, life just doesn't feel like it's got hope. It's not worked out as I want. Another one is uh, exhaustion. Exhaustion. Um, exhaustion is just when we just feel like, uh, I've just had enough. And I feel like this is probably what it is for Elijah. It's not actually his expectations hasn't been met. Maybe that's it. There's probably, there's probably part of that because this whole victory's happened and he runs to the palace. He's probably expecting maybe Ahab, and now he's told Ahab it's going to rain, which it's been this whole time without rain. Maybe he's waiting, expecting Ahab to go, thank you, Elijah. Like, you've delivered the rain. And you've, you know, we're, we're going to bow our knee now to your God. Your God is the great God. You've just demonstrated to us that your God's the great God. Maybe he's expecting Jezebel to come out and say, yes, you've proven that we need to humble ourselves before your God. That's his expectation. His expectation's not met. But there's also exhaustion. Exhaustion's when you just get sick of running. You just get tired. And you're just like, I'm done. And I've got to say, for me in ministry... 
Uh, probably the greatest struggle for me has not been expectation not being met because I've, for whatever reason, have felt like God has just, in my three ministry contexts, just continues to exceed my expectation and do amazing things beyond uh, what I, you know, even believe possible. But exhaustion is my challenge. Just getting tired. Too many nights out, too much stuff, too, mi- too busy, and too much on my mind, too much to think about, too many challenges, too many conflicts, not that there's been huge conflicts, and, um, and that can be really hard. I remember one Sunday... Uh, or so Sunday nights at my old church, which was um, Unley Park, and I, I pioneered this thing called Life Church, which is still going, where we started doing church at uh, five o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. And we had a crew who would do pack up. And, and then um, at the end of that, I would always be there. And at the time, Mel, my wife, would be home with the kids and I would just regularly be having a really hard time getting them to bed on her own. And it was just really hard for her. And that was really hard for me, knowing it was... She was there doing that on her own on a Sunday night. But I would then do the pack-up that followed the pack-up. So I would, I would pick up all the stuff that wasn't quite packed up properly. And um, I would just often, I remember just often just being there at the end and just thinking like, wow, this is, this is really hard work. And I'm really tired. And uh, there's an old Newsboys song. Most of you probably haven't heard the Newsboys. Um, they sang a song and the lyrics of it go like this. It said, I want to preach the word. This is kind of a song speaking out of exhaustion, I think. I want, I want to preach the word. They want massages. I check chapter of verse. They check their watches. I spy another yawn. I might as well be gone. Let's stand and say amen. Some days, I must admit, I still don't get this. Could be it's time to quit when days get like this. I slip into the night, but then I stumble toward the light. Get up and try again. When you called my name, I didn't know how far that calling went. When you called my name, I didn't know what that word really meant. And that still stirs me. When God calls you, he calls you to stuff that's actually going to be challenging and testing and hard and difficult. And exhaustion uh, can get to you. The other one is, uh, it doesn't start with um, E, but it's uh, temptation, giving in, failure, sin, uh, it's, when we, uh, it's when we just uh, fall and we know that we, uh, in our sinfulness and our brokenness and our inconsistency, we just feel like uh, we've, we've not got there. Paul says in Romans, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, this I keep on doing. Probably some of us can resonate with that at times in our life. From hero to zero because of exhaustion, because of unmet expectation or because of temptation. Okay, I want to shift the focus here because the focus of this message so far has been on us and how we can struggle and I want to turn it to a focus on God because that's where the focus has got to go. I'm going to talk about four wonderful ways that God meets Elijah. Here they are. Let's, uh, if you've got the Bible, if you've got the scripture, if we can bring it up, verse five, that'd be awesome. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. That's pretty much it. He's out in the desert. He doesn't have any food. He doesn't have any drink. He's traveled 170 kilometers. He just lays down and he goes to sleep. He's hoping to die. Basically, that's where he's at. And this is what God does. And all at once, here's the first thing, an angel touched him. God touched Elijah. This is the first thing God did. God touched 
Elijah. And this reminds me of the story about when Jesus came and he saw the, the man with leprosy. And, uh, and when the man with leprosy, it says, when he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. And Jesus could have just said, uh, yes, I make you clean. But that's not what Jesus did. It says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched him. There's something powerful about the touch of God. Something powerful about the touch of God. Yeah, God doesn't somehow reach physically out with a, with a hand from heaven and touch us, but God can touch us spiritually in a really powerful way. God can touch us. I think uh, uh, God can touch us in prayer, uh, but often God can touch us with a blessing from someone else or God can touch us. I find in worship is a place where God sometimes just touches, just touches us and just really impacts us. Second thing that God does, uh, uh, verse 5, point B, uh, God touched him and said. So the second thing is God speaks to Elijah. God speaks to him. Again, I think about Jesus, the way he spoke to people. I love when Jesus is passing through Jericho and he's about to go up to Jerusalem. He's passing through Jericho and there's the, the, the little guy, uh, Zacchaeus, who's climbed the tree. He's a tax collector. Everyone hates him. And he's climbed the tree and Jesus looks up and Jesus speaks to him, just straight to him. He's not, he's not giving a speech to the crowd. This is just a word for Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down from the tree. I'm, I'm going to have lunch at your house. And, and God, I love the fact that God wants to speak to us. God wants to speak to us. God wants to give us words, uh, and, and he wants to speak through his word. And we need to hear his voice. I remember a time, uh, maybe a year or two into after I'd been a Christian, um, and I, uh, I'd probably, I'd started out in, as a Christian, and I'd been firing and excited, and everything felt new, and everything felt like a learning experience. And then... I can't even remember why it was, but I kind of went that hero to zero thing. And I felt like I was uh, a bit of a failure. And I got invited by a friend to a prayer meeting as a random thing. I only ever went once. I only ever got invited once. But this guy said, oh, I know this prayer group that meet, so come along and you can join in. And um, the prayer group was called the Upper Room Prayer Group. And we went into this building uh, and we went up into this um, upper room, um, <laughs> not surprisingly. And I don't know where it was. I can't even remember uh, where this place was or whether it was someone's house. But it was a big open room. And they just, uh, we worshipped. And then they said, we, uh, just take time, listen to God and believe that God can speak to you. God gave me a word in that that stayed with me. God said to me, my power is made perfect in weakness and you will do great things for my glory. And I wrote that down, and I went and told my youth pastor, I said, here's this passage, and, and my youth pastor's like, my power is made perfect in weakness. That's, that's a verse of Scripture. I'm like, no, I'm not. This is a word God gave me. I didn't know my Bible that very well at that point. I was like, no, this is just a word God gave me while I was praying. He's like, no, no, here, I was going to show you. That's from the Scripture, word for word. It's like, wow, that's pretty cool. God can speak to me through his word when I don't even have the word open. But having said that, have the word open. <laughs> God speaks through his word and he really does and um, I think sometimes we can be a little bit too much like wanting to hear the prophetic word when when actually the word is there to be to be read and God speaks clearly through his word 
But I believe God wants to touch your life. I believe God wants to speak to you. Third thing is God gives Elijah what he practically needs. God can give people cars. And God can give people uh, practical things. This is what God gives Elijah. It's pretty crazy when you read this. Uh, he falls down, uh, he lies down and goes to sleep. The angel touches him and says, get up and eat. He hasn't got any food with him. He looks around and there by his head is some bread that's been baked over hot coals. How crazy is that? God's got, some, got a fire going and set some bread and, and baked some bread. And so he wakes up and there's a loaf of bread freshly baked over hot coals. And there's a jar of water sitting there. That's crazy. God provides his practical needs. And that's a blessing that God can do. It's really interesting. I'm going to just give you a little bit of interesting Bible theology just from this little verse. He finds bread and he finds water. Now, he's down in the desert, which is the area that reminds us that God's people, in the, if we look back, wandered through the desert. And what did God give them? He gave them manna. He provided this bread for them. Uh, this was like the, the bread of heaven. So he provided bread, and then we go ahead and from, from Elijah, and we go to Jesus. What did Jesus say he was? He was the bread of life. Secondly, he gives water. Now, uh, how did they get water when they were in the desert? Well, they got water from, they struck a rock, and God prov miraculously, miraculously provided them with water. Let's go ahead to Jesus. What does Jesus say that he is? He says that he is the living water. Uh, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them uh, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water springing up to eternal life. He's the living water. He's the bread of life. It's fascinating when we just look at this verse. That's the two things that he provides, which also links back to the Old Testament and what happened in the desert there. Jesus is our provision. Jesus is our provision. Ultimately, the ultimate provision that we need is our salvation in Jesus. God can provide cars. God's provided me with stuff. That's a blessing. The greatest provision we need to remember that God has given us is salvation through faith. Not through anything we've done, but just by faith. Point four, God guides Elijah. He says to him, get up. And I like that. It's like Elijah's lying there. He's, he's done. He's just wanting to die, and the angel says to him, God says to him through the angel, Elijah, get up. Elijah, get up. Time to get on your feet, Elijah. This isn't the end. There is another journey for you to go on. You've got to get up. You've got to get up. And, and maybe t tonight, that's a word that you need to hear. Man, I feel a bit cautious saying that after the election with the get up campaign. But anyway, um, that's a whole other story. Jesus wants to say to someone tonight, get up. You've got to get up. You've got to get up. Don't just lie there saying, oh, this is all it is. I'm done in my faith. I just feel like someone here needs to hear these words. Get up. Jesus has got a whole journey ahead for you. He's got a whole story that he wants to write for you. He knows the end from the beginning, and this is not the end for you. Jesus wants to say to you, get up. I've got provision here. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to speak to you, and then I'm going to set you on a course for the rest of your life. Time to get up. Okay, strengthened by food, Elijah gets up and he travels to Mount Horeb, which is a journey of 400 kilometers through the desert. 
where he's sustained by God. And he goes to the mountain. And guess what mountain it is? Well, Mount Horeb is uh, the same mountain. It goes by another name. It's got a dual name. It's also called Mount Sinai in the Bible. It's the same mountain. This is the mountain where God's people came when they got led out of slavery into freedom and where Moses went up the mountain and met God face to face till his face shone and God gave him the law and God encountered him. That's the mountain where God leads Elijah. That's the one he goes to. And that's where he's going to encounter God in the next week's sermon. Isn't that amazing? I reckon it's an awesome passage. What do you do when you're in the place of zero? The question really is what, not what do you need to do, but who do you need to turn to? We've got to turn back to God every time. We've just got to keep turning back to God. We've got to keep turning to his word. We've got to keep listening. We've got to be willing to receive. We've got to believe in faith that God wants us to get up, that he's got another plan for us. Elijah didn't um, uh, stop out of any deep religious devotion. He just stopped because he couldn't go on. But in that moment... God met him, and God always wants to meet us. Whether we're traveling great or whether we are struggling, Jesus is always there saying, I want to meet you right now. I want to speak to you. I want to touch you. I want to bless you, provide for you, and I want to say, get up. There's another path. There's another journey that I want you to go on. So tonight, um, we're going to worship now. The band want to come up and start to get ready. Tonight, I, I just love, we've got the prayer team here. We just love to pray, as, as Mike said, for anyone in any situation. But I guess especially, you just want to pray for maybe people who have been, maybe it's not zero, uh, uh, but maybe it's just been that in some area, you're feeling like it's a struggle, it's a difficulty, there's, there's problems that you just can't see solution to. You just want to pray with someone. We just love to pray with anyone who wants to pray, but let's just get on our feet now and worship. I'm going to pray as we, uh, as we go into a time of worship. Let's stand on our feet and uh, I want to pray. Father, I do want to pray for anyone here tonight who came into this place not kind of feeling like Elijah when he was on top of Mount Carmel, uh, living in the victory, but who came here tonight like Elijah in the desert when he's lying down on his face and he's kind of thinking like, this is just all too much and I'm done. I just want to pray that God would supernaturally sow into the hearts and into the minds of anyone here who's in that place. The seed of hope. The seed of hope that this is not the end and that God absolutely has not abandoned you. That he is with you, he's always been with you, that he wants to touch your life, he wants to speak to you, he wants to provide for you, and he wants to direct your path. There is another chapter to write, there is another story to tell, there is another journey to come. And it's a journey where Jesus wants to walk with you side by side. And right now, wherever you're at, even if you're in that space like Elijah lying down, God's right there. He's right there. The Word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I pray that you can hold on to that truth tonight if you need to hear that word. In Jesus' name. Amen.
You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.